It's found in the book of Mark. I I love this particular parable that Jesus teaches on right here. I'm going to read this to you. We often call this the parable of the sower and the seed. But I'm going to present this to you in a way that maybe you've never heard before. It's really not the parable of the sower and the seed. It's the parable of the soil. That's really what it's all about. We know who the sower and the seed is. Let me just fill you in on that as I read through this parable. The sower is none other than Jesus Christ. The seed is the word of God. Now you know. But what we're really going to look at and what Jesus was really talking about was the parable of the soil. Now, let me fill you in as I go along and I read through this and I'm going to read this little bit of lengthy reading. But the soil represents the sort of kind of heart that exists in humankind. Now, there were so many people gathered together here that uh, he had to push out on a boat. And there were so many people wanting to hear the word of God. And they were so excited to hear this little man, Jesus, speak. They had to push off into the sea just a little bit and get on the edge of the boat and talk to the people. Now, if, if you've ever, I mean, there's, there's a great lake around here, and I'm sure you, you all have experienced this, but if you speak across the lake, man, it really echoes good, and you can really hear really good. And so Jesus pushed out just a little bit, and there were so many people that were so excited to hear what he had to say, they gathered on the beach. And they were standing there, listening as our Lord began to teach. Now, if you were there, and some of you have been uh, to, to, the middle, to the Middle East, over to the, to the Holy Lands, but from what I understand and what I have studied, in the area of Galilee, there were fields as far as the eye could see where these people were growing things. So these were definitely people well familiar with cultivating the ground, taking care of the ground, farming, sowing seed, reaping, all this. So they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. The further we get from that kind of lifestyle, the less we begin to understand this parable. But it's not really a, the sower and the seed. I mean, it is. But the real thing about it, the sower is always... Remember I keep telling you guys, God is so consistent. God knows how to sow seed. So we, we can say, yes, God knows what He's doing when He broadcasts the seed. And what I'm doing to you today is preaching the Word of God. And I'm taking from the seed bag of God. I've put that seed bag on the way they used to do it back in the days of Galilee. And a lot of times they wouldn't even till the ground. And they would just find a patch of ground. And they'd just go and cast it, broadcast it into the wind. And then the farmer a lot of times would come and hire somebody to kind of, kind of scrub it in a little bit. To try to get it to take some root. So these people knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. They understood what was going on. They understood what was being said. So it's about your heart. It's about how people receive the preached message. It's the sower and the seed. 
But where does that seed land on the soil of your heart? Let's read this. And I'm going to read his answer to the parable as he interprets what he said to the disciples. He says, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Thank God, man, you, we look at that and we go, well, what's that? That's just we just read right over that. Let me tell you, thank God that there's not a famine in the land for the word of God, that God is still sending messages to the preachers to preach. That's the sower coming to sow on your heart. When you come to church, I want to change and rearrange your way of thinking about coming to church. When you come to church, you should fully expect Jesus to cast seed upon your heart. He's got something that he wants. He wants you to be profitable. He wants it to grow and bring forth a, 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 a return. But the only way that you're going to get that is through the preached word of God. And you've got to prepare the ground. Listen to this. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. There is one. That's one heart, spiritual heart condition. The wayside heart. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Or the hardened heart. All right. Some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up and because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. That's the second type of a heart. OK, that's the second type. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. But other fell, on the fourth kind, on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. So as you look and see, this isn't really about the, the sowers doing just the same thing. It's where the seed lands. Yeah. It's the parable of the soil, of your heart. Theologians know it to be of this. We call it the parable of the sower and the seed. It's, this is all about the condition of your heart and how there are four, four different possibilities of how it's received. Four different possibilities on how it's received. Wayward, stony, thorny, and good ground. The types of soil. Now listen to this. And when he was alone, they were about with him. And the twelve asked him of the parable, you know, what did it mean? And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. What this simply means is, is even though we are in the New Testament here, I want to bring something to you. This is Jesus as an Old Testament character. He operated. The New Testament had not begun yet. It was being introduced. The New Testament begins in the book of Acts when the church is born. But Jesus goes and tells everyone to keep the law. But he was introducing grace and the new covenant. Does everybody follow me? Amen? Amen. Yes, that's what's going on right here. Okay. So the mystery is this. Law hadn't passed to grace yet. The mission wasn't quite fulfilled yet because Christ hasn't given himself on a cross and be raised from the dead yet. 
So it was a mystery to the heart of men what kind of things Jesus is talking about. But he's talking about the preached word. How this is going to be received by people. This is no longer rule keeping. This is no longer what he's saying. There's a transition happening on how people hear what God has to say to them. It's no longer about you going and getting some turtle doves and leading an oxen to the altar and cutting its throat and leaving it there and saying a few scripted prayers and then that's it. This was going to be about your heart now. Going into the future, it's going to be about being born again. It's going to be about believing and having faith. And not by works, lest any man should boast. For it is the grace of God by which you are saved. So he's introducing a new theology, so to speak, to us here. And he goes on to tell them, and these are they... And he said, know you not this parable, the sower soweth the word, the word of God. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. We're going to talk about that kind of earth that doesn't let the seed do anything but set on it. So much so that the fowls of the air have time to come and take it away. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. But afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. I see a lot of that these days. We're going to talk about stony grounds of your heart. And these are they which are sown among thorns. And I see a whole lot of these these days. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things enter in and choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. See a lot of that. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word. Listen to this. Receive it. What does that mean? Receive it. We're hearing the word and you're receiving it. But are you, listen, underline receiving it? Are you taking it in? Is it changing you? Are you applying it to your life? Are you living it? Are you hearing it, receiving it, and are you applying it? Does it mean anything to you? He says, and they bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold. That's the wow factor in a 100-fold. That's the wow factor to these Galileans. You see, that's the part that we skip over. We say, well, yeah, that's a great return. But none of these people, that is highly improbable that they get a return of 30% or 60 or 90 or 100% return. Why? We're just out here broadcasting seed. We hardly get a plant to grow up. That was the wow factor that blew their minds in what Jesus said. When you receive the word of God, it's going to produce in you a yield, a return like you don't have never known before. Father God in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus 
Give us the ability to preach this morning, Lord, and the anointing. Lord, help us to, to bring forth your will, God. And Lord, show the people in ourself, Lord. Let us hear the word and receive it with gladness. Let us prepare our hearts for it, God. And we give you the praise. And we ask you to anoint us that we fully are engrossed in your anointing. For we need not what man has to say or man's theology, but what you say. And we desperately cry for it within our hearts for the benefit of the hearers and all of us that are here, that we can enjoy heaven, that we can see your face and be delivered from the present evils and bring glory to you on this earth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Four types of hearts. Not so much about the sower and the seed. It's all about that, so to speak, because it's Jesus in the word. But it's all about your heart and how you receive it. It's all about you, you see. It's a parable to help us to understand how to prepare our hearts for the word of God. And I have to say this, it's all your choice. What part of your heart are you giving to God exactly? If in our hearts there is good ground, thorny ground, stony ground, and just wayward ground, then what portion does God get? Ask yourself that question. Are we reserving the good ground to satisfy the lusts of our flesh and fully engross ourselves in the things that we love and the powers and things of this world? And just given to God, we are, do we marginalize God in our life? There you go. Do we marginalize God? Do we a little bit of God here and a little bit of God there, and, but not enough to really, just enough, so to speak. Do we marginalize the Word of God? Or is it everything to you? Is it the key to your life? People look at you and go, Jay, that's a very fanatical way to look at this, but it's not. Really, it's not. Because here's the deal. When God comes first in your life, he makes everything that you love that much better. He makes you a better husband. The wife may look and say, well, how would you put God first in your life over me? Because if, if he's loving you with his love, then he's not loving you to his full potential. But if he's loving you through the love of God, he's loving you with the greatest love man can ever know. It's the kind of love that's sacrificial. It's the kind of love that loves you when it's not loved back. It's not dependent upon performance. It just simply loves. It's not lustful in nature. It cares and has compassion and, and, and empathy to it. Why would you not want that? But if I put God above my children, that makes me a better dad. Because God isn't going to take and set them aside as if they're being neglected. No, it makes me a better dad, a more fatherly-like dad in the eyes of God that I can produce a godly child and insert into it the Word of God in which the Bible says that when we train up a child in the way that it should go, it will not depart from it when it's old. If I put God first at my workplace, that makes me a better worker. I'm not going to cheat my employer. I'm not going to steal from my employer. I'm not going to steal my time. I'm going to do everything that I do as if I'm doing it for the Lord. And finally, it makes me a better preacher. 
It makes me a better pastor. It makes me a better person in church. It makes me a better person because in here we're putting God first and we're loving each other. As Jesus said, the difference between you and anybody in this world will be your great love that you have for one another. Why would we not allow God to have the good ground? Yield, folks. Surrender. Do this and watch God work in your life. You'll notice Him more. You'll see Him more because you're depending on Him more. Listen to this. Bunyan writes in the Pilgrim's Progress that even the devil knows if a man believes the Word because he'll be saved. It was an awesome book. If you've never read that book, it's kind of the progress of a Christian's life through the eyes of this old writer as he writes about Christian living. Who was once an unbeliever himself, but the more that he studied and, and the more he researched Christianity, he got saved and became a very prominent person for Christ. That's what happens when you get to know him. At the end of the sermon, Jesus talks about the yield and wows these folks. And I want to get to the, the conditions. The first condition mentioned in the scripture is the wayward. The wayside seed. What is that group? This group represents the hardened heart. You remember, we've seen that, those words before in the scripture. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. What was it hardened against? It was hardened against him hearing and obeying the voice of God. There are some people that just can't be told what to do. There are always going to be a person, and you probably know some, that just buck authority. They just can't have authority over them. They just can't. They cannot say, okay, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. They just can't handle it. This is the beginning of the hardened heart. One that cannot bow the knee. One that cannot say, I'm sorry. One that has not been filled and, or tilled and ready for planting. Satan will swoop in and snatch the seed of God from these types of hearers, this type of heart. And the characteristics of this type of a person is someone who has a heart that's unmoved by what typically others are compassionate about. That's the type of person that this person is. They're not moved by something. Their characteristics are if they're insensitive to sin or sinfulness. Sinning don't, mind, don't bother them none. And the scripture talks about the kind of conscience that we can have that can be seared over. That is a dangerous, dangerous thing to do and to have is to be cauterized in your ability to sense and detect sin or have conviction. If God, if you've got the type of conscience that's seared over and you can't feel and it's nothing more than a hard callous, you're living on dangerous ground. Amen. Dangerous ground. And I'm telling you, if you're not careful in today's world with all the cares and things that you're involved in and all the stuff that you've got to be rough about and all the stuff that you've got to, 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 to do in your life, this can become you. Just like working hands 
They start off soft and pliable, but at the end, buddy, they're hard as rocks. I'll never forget my brother. He was a, uh, he was a carpenter by trade. And he had, I'm telling you, you shook his hands. He had broke several people's hands. If I shake him, he had a hand like a vice. It felt like you put your hand in a vice. Your heart can be that way. These people fail to follow Jesus or His commands and they act in arrogance and pride. They're resentful and easily offended and they fail to forgive. This is the impenetrable heart. Indifference to the Word of God. They hear the Word of God, it lands on their heart, and their heart's so hard and so impenetrable, it lays there. And Satan just comes in, swoops in, and takes it away. And their unbelief leaves them in condemnation. That's the wayside here. Or the wayside heart. Let it not be us. Let's be pliable. We're supposed to be... I don't know about y'all, but you know, we, 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 in school we had to take... Uh, this class, we were, we were molding and making the ceramics and all kinds of different things. And that clay was moldable and makeable and you had to put your thumb down in there. Man, that stuff, all of a sudden, you could put the thumb right there and it'd make a shape and thumb here and it'd make a shape. And man, you could wind that thing up and do pottery and do pottery, you know, stuff. And then you had to put it in the fire and hope it didn't have any holes in it because it'd blow up in the, in, the, in the heater there. But if you've never put your hands around clay like that and begin to mold and make, that's what God wants your heart to be like. He don't want some hard heart that he, that he can't do anything with. He puts you in the circle of life just like that pottery wheel and it can't do anything with you because you're so rough-edged. It can't be us, Brother Jess. We have to be moldable and makeable in the hands of our Maker God. He loves you. And He wants to do something with you. And He wants to finish the work that He started in your life. But you, you and me, we have to allow it. We have to allow it. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, Luke says in 6.45. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil for the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. You can, you can tell what's going on kind of in a person's heart by the way they speak. If coming out of your mouth is curse words all the time, you can pretty much tell what's in there. Because light and darkness don't dwell together. And the Bible says a man shall be judged by every idle word that comes out of his mouth. Why? Because that's a heart indication. You're not judged by the words. You're judged by the heart that produced it. Amen. The type of ground that's within you. The second possibility is the stony ground heart. Similar to that of the wayward, hardened heart. They receive the word and it's exciting to them. Probably one of the most, I'd say this one in Thorny Ground, are the biggest ones I've seen over the, the decades of ministry that I've been doing. And Brother Jesse would probably say the same thing. I, I, I have not asked him about this, but I'm telling you, this exists so much in our world today, especially up north, when you get outside the edges of the Bible Belt. People are excited to hear the Word of God. It falls on their heart and they hear it and they receive it. But they're not converted. 
They're excited about what's going on at church. But they're not a member by way of being saved. They don't allow themselves to become truly, truly saved. They have no root, Jesus says, within themselves. They hear the word and are excited about it. It's like something that you really like and you really hold it dear to your heart. But if somebody said, hey, can I have that? You would give it away. Because it has no real meaning to you beyond superficiality. We can't be superficial Christians where we receive the word and listen what happens to them. They get controlled by things like temptation. Jesus says it like right here. He said, and have no root in themselves and they endure but for a little while and then afterward when affliction, persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. When the brass tacks begin to show up in your life and you've got to put the rubber where, the, where, where uh, it meets the road, so to speak, it's undoable. If a little bit more is asked of someone, they can't do it. Why? Because it's not really anything that they truly hold dear. It's not really in their heart. It's on their heart, but it's not really in their heart. Do you see what I'm saying? The stony ground produces not much soil. It's so hard to keep things rooted to where it grows up. It doesn't just fall over. I have seen so many Christians grow up and fall over. And one of the biggest ministries in today's church world is not reaching the lost. It's become keeping those that come. And that shouldn't be my job. And it shouldn't be Jess's job. That's God's job to motivate you to be here like y'all are here every Sunday morning. That's God's job of motive. You should be self-motivated in that. And that way we can leave that go and reach those that don't know Christ. And spend less time doing this. That's the truth. I see this so much, so much. People gladly receive what's preached, but fall short of being born again. The churches, we would not have this idolatrous church thing going on where people are being ordained that should never be ordained behind the pulpits where homosexuals and lesbians are standing up preaching the word of God that would never happen if people were truly born again and were rooted in God and were in his word. That's just the facts of the matter. But we choose to be like the world. God didn't ask us to coexist. He said, be ye a separate people. I see this coexist sticker all the time on people's cars. We coexist. Yes, we love people. We're not violent towards people. Absolutely. But we're not to take on their attributes nor their beliefs. We're not to say amen to that. I was telling Brother Jess. Hospitals now have their own clergy. I have a problem with that. Those clergy, to be a clergy member for a hospital, you have to be schooled in Islam. And let me tell you, in, 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 in college, I had to study the, the Quran. You would not believe it. You have to be, know the Buddhist faith. You have to know a Sikh faith, S-I-K-H. Dayton is loaded with those folks. 
Our cops were constantly being called out over sword fights. They're from India. They're trying to chop each other up for leadership in the church. You and I, so we, yeah. I called, I called to go see my dad when he had had his first heart attack. I, was, I got my clergy badge on. So I'm here to see my dad. He's, I'm also his pastor. Well, we have clergy here. I, I said, well, he's not me. I appreciate the office of clergy, I said to them. I said, but that's a horrible idea. They looked at me and said, well, why is that? I said, first of all, my dad don't know him. And we don't know how he truly believes. He could have a pagan praying for him as far as he knows. I said, he knows me. Pastors know their people and the people know the pastors. And they know what kind of life that he lives. And they depend on him and they trust him to be praying over them. I said, how's that good for the patient? And her jaw dropped and said, well, I'm a member of that board. I'll have to bring that up. I said, that's a, that I'll, I'll gladly come and speak at it if you'd like me to. I said, that's a terrible idea. Terrible. You should always, we should always have access to our people. It's in the hospital, Brother Jess. Amen. Because there's nothing more important than your spiritual well-being. I know we're all tied up in this life and I know we got fleshly lives to live. But let me tell you something. Crossing over is where it's at. Because you're going to spend eternity where you go. If hell's your home, you will burn forever. Do you understand that? That's why I preach so vehemently the way that I do. Because I understand the reality. This is not playtime for Pastor Jay. This is real time. This is life and death. When you come to the service where this seed falls on your heart will determine eternity for you and for me. Do you realize that? So you tell me something that's more important than that in your life. And just answer it and be for real. Because your answer will absolutely contradict what you say you believe. Because we typically put everything before this. You're going to die. I want to tell that to y'all. Ain't none of us making it. Eternity waits. There's two places. Where are you going? Let the word fall on the good ground. Amen. Amen. So we're looking here at the stony ground. One of the reasons for the plague of this kind of aptitude in our churches and beliefs in our churches is because of what the pulpit's saying. There's less and less talk about repentance and less and less talk about the, the, the consequence of sin. Sin is seldom mentioned in the house of the Lord. It's not talked about a whole lot. I'm going to tell you a biblical fact. Jesus preached more on hell than he did heaven. That is a biblical fact. Why? Because he doesn't want us going there. And that's what we need to be reminded of a lot. Listen, our lives are at stake. Look around and look at your children and your grandchildren. Look at them. Look at your wife. Look at your husband. Imagine seeing them burn. Because I don't care if you believe it or not, that's immaterial. It exists whether you want to believe it or not. It's there whether you believe it or not. Look around. Look at them. You want them to burn. Is our failure to pray, is our failure to be motivated in Christ, is our failure to come to church, is our failure to let God's seed fall upon your heart, is it worth that? Absolutely not. 
thorny ground, probably the most prevalent today is the thorny ground. The thorny ground is the person who lets everything in life come before God. I was there. Listen, folks, when I preach like this, don't think I'm pointing a finger because when you point the finger, you got three more pointing back at you, right? That's what the old saying says, right? I was there. You don't understand. I, I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Everything comes before what we're doing here. Everything. Everything comes before. Those are the thorny ground folks. The cares of this life. What do you mean? They are the distracted hearer. While the preacher's preaching, they're probably thinking about what they got to do when they get home. When the preacher's preaching and the life, the sower is present and Jesus Christ is broadcasting the seed, their mind is somewhere else. Because everything that they got going on and they've, they've so sub, uh, submerged their life into the cares of the world, they've got nowhere to breathe, man. They've got to be having things on their mind all the time because they're a, what we call in this world a multitasker. What I call that is a distracted person. We're no good at distraction and at, at multitasking. We're no good at that. You can say, I'm pretty good at that. Well, if you ain't giving 100% towards some, something, then what are you giving? Because you're multitasking. You say, I'm giving 100% to each one. No, you're not. You're not as good as what you could be if you were concentrating on one thing. There are some people that's good at doing multiple things, but they're so distracted. Why? Because, man, I had that job. Let me just tell you just for a minute. What was my job? My job up there for that city, everything. Everybody say everything. One, two, three. I'm talking police, fire, road department, highways, bridges, inspections. You name it. I had to do it all. Trees, certified arborists, something goes wrong in somebody's yard and it falls on a house. I had to go and render a, a decision on whether that thing was a hazard or not. My job was to enforce the code of the city. I was getting hundreds of phone calls every single day. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lane miles of roads that I had to take care of. I had a striping project that I had to take care of. Man, are they using the right kind of paint? Are they using the right kind of reflective beading? Is a double yellow right here bi-directional? Are we doing a road diet as they call it up there? I'd have to go to all kinds of funding meetings because I would go and I would help get grants. And I'd have to go and apply for monies and then I'd have to keep my ducks in a row to be able to show where the money went so we could get reimbursed for the money that we spent. Man, I'm telling you, accidents, somebody hit something in the road, it was my job to go and, and take measurements and get reimbursed and file, file uh, invoices against people's insurances. Son, there was never a dull day. People say, well, it's a rainy day. Well, I did flooding. It was always something going on. And I was pastoring God's church. And the only way that I could do that is through the power of God. And keeping God first and all that. When I'm getting called at midnight, one, two, three, four, five, all the time, did I not? Police calling me, fire calling me, dispatch calling me. All the time. You can't be distracted like that. That is unhealthy. Lighten the load and allow God to become number one. I admit, it's have, it's, I have a hard time settling in down here right now. I see things that drive me crazy. 
They have anxiety and worry about things in this world. They love family more than they love God. And these are the people that allow things to choke the word out. They profess to love Jesus, but truly, he's really kind of last on their list. I heard one person put it just like this. If God was to set up a courtroom right here, and each one of us was called up to be judged, would there be enough Christianity in your life to have a conviction? Or does most of the evidence prove that you really don't belong to the church? Think about that. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would you be convicted? By your peers? By people outside of this building that know you? That you talk to? That see you eat your lunch at your lunch break? Do they know? Would they look at you and say, would they come and testify to the judge? And say, as you were being, as they were being cross-examined, so how well did you know so and so? Oh, I knew them well. I knew them most of my life. Oh, really? How how much did you say that they spent time? Did you ever know them to pray? Well, not any time I was with them. Hmm, interesting. Did they ever mention God to you? No. Did they ever invite you to church? Well, I think maybe we went one time, they were having this thing at this vacation Bible school and it was really cool. And I think I went, I heard about that, but no, they didn't really invite me. Hmm. Did they ever talk about you being saved? Well, no, not really. Did you ever hear them quote a verse of scripture in their life? Um, let me think. I think I might remember them saying something, but I don't remember what it might have been. Did you ever see them with a Bible? Um, no. Never known them to read it? Not when I was with them. Thank you, you can be seated. And then the next person comes in. And the judge is listening to this, and the judge is God. Would we have enough to produce a conviction? That's a great thought, isn't it? For all of us. What kind of ground do you have in your heart? You have four kinds. And it's up to you to allow the good ground to be inundated with the seed that the sower has sown. Will you let it? Will you cultivate that ground? Will you make sure that it grows? Will you tend it? Will it be important to you? Stand with me.